today's guest is Ahenawa Akufo. Yes. Ahenawa, we haven't seen each other in a long time. Yeah. Uh, I've invited you here because I want to know what you're up to. Ohenawa oh, is a um, Olympian in the sport of wrestling. She is a judo black belt, and more recently, and we're going to talk about this later, but she is a stunt performer. Mm-hmm. Ohenawa, oh, what have you been up to lately? Um, as you had mentioned, just playing and enjoying life. Mm-hmm. Um, stunts performing has been one of the latest um, opportunities, mm-hmm. but of course it started from wrestling. Yeah. So just the journey of the humble beginnings. Yeah, let's talk about that. So wrestling, people are like, oh, how did you get into wrestling? Like female wrestling, because when I started, it wasn't that popular, mm-hmm. but it all started in high school where, like, you know, I thought, I heard on the announcements like wrestling trials and I thought WWE, I was like off the ropes, Hulk Hogan, this is amazing. Yeah. And so going in there at that time, I went to a new school, I had like one friend Nicole, I'm like, we're going to try this out. And in trying it out, I was just like, we went to the tryouts, I see a mat with a big circle in the middle. I was like, okay, when you make the team, they're going to bring in the rings. It didn't happen. And I was like, and watching the warm-up, because I wasn't sure what wrestling was. I seen people coming in, like running, or doing like, you know, cartwheels, round offs, back, like neck bridges that I know now. But seeing them, I was just like, oh no, this is not for me. I'm out of here. I'm like, Nicole, if you want to break your neck, feel free. I'm going to try something that I see on TV, basketball. So I went for the basketball team. And wrestling being the longest um, season in high school, I remember I was done basketball, my friend Nicole was still in wrestling, and I was just like, she was learning the stuff that I was afraid of. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, oh, Hannah, we're supposed to do this together. Like, I miss you, what's going on? Come back and try again. Mm-hmm. And so I remember going back and trying again. And I remember talking to the coach, and he was just like, wrestling is a tough sport. If you gave up the first time, you're gonna give up again. And I was like, oh, no, no. I'm, I really wanna try this. Like, you know, and he's like, if you miss any practices, you're off the team. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had to join Matt Man Wrestling Club because I was, I didn't have, I was late starting. And so I made that commitment also. Mm-hmm. And my first year was like, it was challenging, but I got to learn the things I was afraid of. Mm-hmm. And I got to get another second chance of trying again. Um, I was successful when I started wrestling, but it was still a challenge for me in my mind. I couldn't crack the sport. Mm-hmm. And so that's the challenge that kept me going. Mm-hmm. Um, in grade 10, I you know, won AFSA in Ontario, which was like really amazing. I was in the newspapers. And then all of a sudden, people are coming up to my brother. They're like, your sister wrestles? He's like, yeah. He's like, Does she beat you up? And I was just like, like you know, it was dealing with that too. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you get... You try something that's different and uncommon, and it challenges the status quo. Mm-hmm. And as, are you going to give up just because the world tells you that this is something that, quote unquote, you shouldn't be doing? But I'm doing it. Yeah. Now, you're, I mean, you were trying something you said you were afraid of. Yeah. Most people in that, in that situation back off, and they shut down, and they do. They don't try. And they give up on themselves. So, yeah. So what was telling you, no, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to... I'm gonna, I gotta put my through through myself through this torture. Yeah, and the thing was, sometimes too, it's like, it's surrounding yourself with people around you. Mm-hmm. Like you know, because it was it was my friend, like my friend Nicole. She was just like, "Oh, Henwa, you don't give up on yourself." She's seen in me something that's truly me, mm-hmm. and she was trying too. And so I was just like, you know what? I don't give up on myself. 
try again. And when I went too, it was like, it was the unknown. Like sometimes the unknown, there's two sides, the side that you're scared of and the side that's the possibility of fun. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and going into like wrestling was matches that, like it was an individual and a team sport. And I really liked that because you got to train for your individual mat because it's just you on the mat. But you had a team that you needed in order for you to be on the mat mm-hmm. and for you to bring out your best. Mm-hmm. And so those are some of the things that I found that helped me overcome in wrestling in that season and in a lot of parts of my life also. Mm-hmm. Trying things and doing things that are quite uncommon. It seems to be a theme in your life. It I, is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps finding me. And sometimes opportunities will find you. Mm-hmm. But are you going to be willing to step into the waters that you're not comfortable in? And how do you step into those waters? Just look to see if other people have done it. I was like, wrestling, they have two arms, two legs. I'm like, mm-hmm. I can try this. The worst thing is I can figure out I don't like it. Mm-hmm. But if I figure out what I don't like, then I tend to figure out what I do like. Mm-hmm. And most times when you're confused in life, it's because you're not moving. At least if you know it's not a likable, then it's like, check mark, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. But how do you know until you try? You can't let fear tell you that you haven't tried it and you don't think you're going to like it. I know I don't like it, or I know I, something else is going to come out of it. Yeah. And so in doing so, so I remember in grade 11, um, I had one offset grade 10, and grade 11, I was like just training, making my deposits on the route to just be my best. And my high school coach at that time, I had gone to another school, had a co- like just a friend that he wrestled with in university that was a university coach. And he asked me if I wanted to do a Christmas camp. And I was like, Christmas, wrestling is a weight regimen is for it. Longest season in high school. Christmas, I get to eat my cookies. <laughs> and so I was like, I don't know. I don't think so. Like, you know, once again, I'm always like, I don't know about that. And then I remember, like, my sister said to me, she's like, I know, like, you know what? Dad told us we got to go to university. What about if you get to still do what you like doing in university? And I was just like... You know, light bulb. Once again, people in your life that speak life into you. Mm-hmm. There's people in the life that speak negativity into you. Mm-hmm. You got to choose the one you listen to. Mm-hmm. And so I remember going to the Christmas camp, and I, my only thing I said to myself, I'm only in high school. If I score one point on any of these girls, like this is cool. And just to see girls and like, you know, on the university level, for me, that was so cool mm-hmm. because I wanted to see the sport that I enjoyed doing in high school, what does that level look like? Mm-hmm. And so I remember it was McMaster Christmas camp. I went and I was just like, my goal is just to score one point. Like, you know, and, and if I didn't, I was like, I'm only in high school, who cares? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but I had, I wasn't just going there to see and just be like, okay, you know what, let me just get beat up. I'm like, no, no, no. So you're setting attainable goals at this point too. Most people, they set the big giant goals. I yeah. want to be an Olympian. No, mm-hmm. bite size. Yeah. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Or how do you do something huge? Mm-hmm. But I was just like enjoying the moments too. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, I was like, in this, any sport, any given day, you can have an injury and you're out. And that's a reality that I, I realized very early on. So... I made the joy of every single time I get to play, I get to play. And that for me was a joy. And so going to the McMaster University camp, I was just like, I was like, I just want to score one point. And I did. And I was like, this is so cool. And you know, it was just like, and it wasn't about the, the people I was fa- facing. Mm-hmm. It was about myself. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you don't go out there like, okay, if I beat a person, now I feel good about myself. I'm too late. Because somebody's going to beat you one of these days. That means that you're not going to feel good about yourself. 
you cannot have that being your benchmark. I just wanted to see if I can push myself to try and not just go there and exist in the corner and just be like, okay, I came to this camp. I'm like, I'm going to just at least try to score one point. Mm -hmm. And then um, the coach at that time, Dave Mayer, had just, he see me, he was like, who are you? I'm like, oh, hi, Noah. <laughs> and then he was just like, you know, you have a lot of skill sets. Do you want to try going to the nationals? I had no clue about nationals at that time. Offside mm -hmm. was like, just good enough for me. And I was like, what's the nationals? He's like, it's the best in Canada. I'm like, well, I'm the best in Ontario so far. Why not try it? Yeah. Like, you know, and I was just like always willing to try. Mm -hmm. um, and then I remember that year he was like, okay, you're going to be like a secret weapon. Cause like, do I have to go to any like university tournaments? And he's like, no, we're just going to go to the nationals. But you have to come and train at mm -hmm. the university level with your high school training. Mm -hmm. And at that time too, it was like my academics is non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. If I didn't get a certain average that my dad and I negotiated at the beginning of the year, I don't get to do sports. Sounds like a smart man. Very. And I was very thankful for the accountability. Mm -hmm. So then I got to have the best of both worlds. And so imagine just being able to train at the high school level because I couldn't stop my high school training just because you've had an opportunity. You don't let go of what your foundation is. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it, I had an amazing high school coach that was willing to drive me to Hamilton to train. And so there's people in your life that are sent to be a gift. Mm -hmm. And do you honor that? Because it was a possibility, it was an opportunity, but it took more than myself to get there. Um, and in doing so, so I had university level training, high school training, and my academics, because you're in grade 11. Mm -hmm. You had to make choices. And as I said, my dad was like, you know, university was my potential. Mm -hmm. I had the ability to do it. And so I remember going to my first nationals. It was... In Saskatchewan, I got to go on the plane, like, because I've flown on the plane before, but not within Canada. I was like in high school and I was like, it felt like a superhero because I was like, the tournaments are usually on the weekend. And like, I had, like, you know, I didn't go to school on Friday because we were traveling in. And like, you know, Saturday the tournament, Sunday you come back and it's like, it's done. And I remember going in the, like, just the gym, it was a university. So that was another thing, I got to see another university that was on the goals that my parents had set for me. Um, and I was just like, it was unreal. It was like, there was like three, like, you know, wrestling mats. It was so many people. I was scared. I was like, what did I get myself into? Like, I'm only in high school. What am I doing here? But I said to myself, if I only score one point, I just gotta try. What do I have to lose? Nobody knows me here. And so I went to every match. And I was like, my first match, I'm like, score one point. I scored a point a few more points I won that match I'm like oh my goodness like you know second match went back in there same thing score another point scored a point and it was like I had only a few moves but I was just willing to try them mm -hmm. I was just like so what nobody knows me here mm -hmm. I'm in high school when I at the end of the weekend I'm back in high school mm -hmm. you know what the only thing I can do is try my best yeah. and so each match like I said second match I won and all of a sudden people were like talking like who is she where did she come from? And like, you know, because they're seeing you, they didn't know who I was. Like, you know, and they're seeing you doing things that they're just like, you're winning matches. And I just have to stay focused. Like my teammates were like, I don't know what, just don't, don't listen to nothing. Just go in there and have fun. And that's what I was doing. And so got me to the semifinals and I'm just, I was blown away. Because my only goal was just to score a point. One point at a time. And just listen to my coach because at the end of the day, he's been there before. I haven't but I'm willing to try. And I was in the semifinals. 
um, won the semifinals, and now I'm in the finals. And the finals is a big deal because what happens at a national level um, for Canada is, you know, you're in there, you get onto the semifinals, you get a break after. And this is when all the thoughts start coming in your head because you're like, oh my goodness. And it's like, you're in the finals. And it's like the pressure comes on you. Because I didn't put the pressure on myself before because I was just one match at a time. Mm -hmm. But now it's like you're in it. And I remember we sat there and we went to eat. And I started getting like just nervous because all this expectation was on me that I didn't put on myself. But I was like, you're in a position that you can be one of the best in Canada or you can lose. But I was just like, so I remember coming back into the, like, the gym and by the, like, by the time we got in, the newspapers, like, you know, TV, the mayor of the town, like, every, like there's an audience there now because everybody wants to watch the final. Who's going to be the best in Canada? Mm -hmm. And so I remember walking in and I was just like, I was just like scared. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, what about if I embarrass myself? Like, it's never the, it's never the training. It's never the, mm -hmm. I'm like, what about if I just... I just fall on my face. <laughs> but I just went back to him like, oh, I know, what do you have to lose? Mm -hmm. I was like, on the worst day, you get to be second in the country. Yeah. Like, on the worst day. I was like, hmm, that's not that bad. Mm -hmm. And so I said to myself, I'm like, just try. Try your best. And so I remember going into the match, and like, my teammates are like, you know, cheering me on. And it's just like, you know, one match at a time, one point at a time. And it was like, and you hear, like, you know, anytime I score a point, my team, like, they're cheering. And then my opponent, when she scored a point, people were cheering too. Mm. And it was just like, it was so much fun. And before that, I remember we walked in the Canadian anthem. You shook, you know, your opponent's hands. Like, it was real. And then I was like, like, you know, every point, like I scored a point, she scored a point. Like until the very end. And I won it. And when I won it, I was like, I remember Coach Dave came up to me. He's like, you know, do you know what this means? I'm like, I'm number one. He's like, <laughs> yes. You're number one, but you get to go to the World Championships. I was like, what? <laughs> and he was like, the World Championships are in Claremont, France. I was like, what? He's like, I was like, why didn't you tell me? He's like, well, I wasn't going to put no more pressure on you. And if you weren't number one, you weren't going. So what was the point? And I was just like, at that moment, I realized that when you try something different, when you step outside your comfort zone, you never know what can happen. And sometimes you don't need to know all the details. You just need to know what's ahead of you. And I remember going to the World Championships. It was a game changer. I had a t like, you know, I lost two matches, but it didn't matter because what I'd seen, you could never unsee a moment. Mm -hmm. And that became my goal. I was like, you know what? I think I can be one of the best in the world. And I'm going to pursue that. Somebody planted a seed. Oh. And, you know, I, I'm, as I'm sitting here listening to you, you know, um, you're taking on your goals one by one. You talked about the elephant eating. Yes. How do you need an elephant? One, one step at a time or one shoot bite at a time. Um, it seems like you're, you've, you've got that mindset all the way through this, this journey to the national championships, one point at a time, one point at a time. And that's an attitude. If you don't have that, sometimes that can come back and bite you in the butt. It does because mm. when, you, when you set... When you set huge, because that was big goals, nothing wrong with setting big goals, but are you willing to do the work to get there? Because setbacks are guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, from the years of what I've been able to walk through, I can let you know, living just uncommon dreams, mm -hmm. setbacks are guaranteed because it, what the setback, for me, my vision, what it does to you is it tells you, are you willing to do it regardless? Mm-hmm. Like, are you willing to, do you really want it? Because when you set the goal, the glamour looks nice. Like, you know, okay, I can, can I be one of the best in the world? 
Like, you know, it's just like, oh, sure, you know? But when the setback comes, do you really want to be one of the best in the world? Because mm -hmm. if you're not willing to take the worst day, you're not willing to get the best day. Mm -hmm. And when you're willing to take the worst day, the best day is yet to come. Yeah. And most people fall on the worst day, not knowing that that's what builds you for the best day. That's mm -hmm. the sustainability. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, because being a winner is a one time. Being a champion is continuously being able to do it. Mm -hmm. And so those are some of the life lessons, as you said. And from that journey, I remember my, from my first world championships to actually come in second in the world mm -hmm. or third in the world, it was like a decade. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, you had built a solid foundation from just that year, that winning the national championship. You had this training mindset that it actually had, you know, you, it had taken you, giving you that roadmap already. And then you're right there at, your, at the world championships second place third place yeah but before between that I, there's a few times i wanted to quit let's just be real like okay let's talk like, about those like you know i was able like there was a few moments i wasn't even like i remember my like you know just academically i had problems in university just because i came in a national champion oh the gift comes responsibility mm -hmm. like you know spider-man would say with great you know great power comes great responsibility yeah. but great achievement comes a great responsibility so when I was in high school, I was scouted by a lot of different universities, which was wonderful um, because it was an opportunity. And I remember at one point my dad was like, so um, are you going to stop your sport because you got to focus on your school? And I was like, uh, uh, I was like, I want to have the best of both worlds. And that was a conversation because my dad and I had agreed after high school is done, we put down the sports, we focus on the career, what we, whatever we want to decide to do and get your life going. So I was like, Dad, there's a little change of plans because I tasted something that I don't want to go. I don't want to leave behind. And, and how did he respond? He was he was not happy with that just because at the end of the day, um, there was because there was opportunities where sometimes as a young person in your teens, going either on a scholarship or an opportunity, you can get hurt and sent back home. Where do you go? Your parents are the one that takes the butt of it. My worst days, my parents are dealing with. My injuries, my parents are dealing with. So people don't realize the weight that comes with having a high performance in your family. Because I remember, because as I said, my trade-off with my dad was if I got my grades to where it was supposed to be, I got to do sports. On top of it, he drove me to everything. Mm -hmm. I've seen days my dad was exhausted. I'm like, Dad, you promised. You told me you got to take me practice. Like, and as a young person, you don't realize how much sacrifice your parents make. Ah all bought my equipment made sure i was fed <laughs> for the high performance lifestyle i lived mm -hmm. like you know and never complained mm -hmm. as long as i held my hand my end of the agreement i as i said i remember days my dad would be exhausted from working i had training at tournaments that's on him i was like daddy you promised daddy you gotta do what you're supposed to like, you know and my dad was a man of his word and i knew that on the other side he's a man of his word mm -hmm. so i remember i said to dad I'm like I think I want to try this. And he was like, you know what? What about if something happens to you and you get sent back and you get crushed? Like, you know, because when I came back from Worlds the first year, it was a tough year for me too. It was seeing something, but not like realizing that there was a different world that I didn't know how to get to. And so I remember this, like I came back and I was like, I was not happy. And my family had to deal with that. <laughs> like, you know, and so... He's seen that. And he was like, what about if it doesn't happen? Mm -hmm. If you get broken, sometimes you're not able to get through it. Mm 
-hmm. And when that happens, it's your family and your close ones that deal with you. Mm -hmm. And so we had that conversation and I was like, dad, I like, and, but the thing about it is, my dad is strong-willed. Guess what? He gave me that gift. <laughs> and so I was like, Dad, um, I think I want to do this. He's like, well, I don't know. If you, if you do, then you got to figure it out. Because if your academics is in trouble, it's not happening. My academics was in trouble my first year because it was just all the tournaments. And just managing, just being a first-year university student by itself, it's work. <laughs> Sorry, and which university did you choose? So I originally, I started off at McMaster University because one is not broken, I don't fix it. Mm -hmm. And so I, like, Coach Dave's seen something in me that I didn't see myself. And it was one of the choices I decided to make, to stick with the same coach. Um, and I had, and he had said to me, he didn't even, he said to me, if there was other schools that had better financial opportunities like feel free to go if, if you because I know what your goals are and that for me when a coach is willing to let you go your best interest is what's in their heart mm. not their best interest because as I said I was a national champ and he just said whatever you need to do for your life you make that decision so that's where I initially started and I ended off at York University graduating with a business and an honors in marketing but with that said Certain things, as I said, people in your corner that are willing to see your best interest. Um, for me to get my ed education paid for, I had to win the nationals and be top half in the world every year. Mm -hmm. And I, will, I was willing to go that route just because I knew my team around me believed in me when I, was, I didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. So just to interrupt you here. Yes. York University didn't have a team. At then. that time. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I won the University World Games for York University without a wrestling team. But, my, but I was always willing to do what my academic I wanted the best of both worlds mm -hmm. I wanted to train up where it was the best for my wrestling I wanted to go to school where it was the best for me mm -hmm. and so being able to sacrifice and work hard was never a problem in my world because I knew what I wanted I wanted to make sure that I got to play and mm -hmm. with it I wanted to make sure I got an education too because I was able to and I want my school paid for because I didn't want to have student loans like there's certain things that were my goals, but if you want to have things that are uncommon, you got to do uncommon things. If you want to do the same things, your definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. I'm not crazy. <laughs> so I was like, if I'm going to do uncommon things, I got to do different routes. And are you willing to walk the path that has not been charted? Because mm -hmm. if you're not, you're not going to get the things that are not warranted. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that and so in that, wrestling took me to different parts of the world. Like it was, it's a journey that. Mm -hmm. No regrets, like, like Japan, China, Budapest, Hungary, Guatemala, Egypt. I got to, I was like, I got to beat up people's children for my job. <laughs> so a high school kid that thought that wrestling was professional and Hulk Hogan was the poster child <laughs> yes. for this, comes in and doesn't, she quits. Yep. And then she comes back yep. and she's threatened by their coach. You don't show up to practice. You're you not going to come makes it to the world level yeah. and travels all over the world because of the sport of wrestling. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And just the people that were willing to, because like, I think of the high school coach that had wrestling there because he wrestled. Like, yeah. It's all the different stars that had to align. Mm -hmm. But for everybody in every day, there are aligning. Are you going to recognize it? Mm -hmm. Like there's always opportunities. Are you going to recognize them? Mm -hmm. Even when they're scary, are you going to recognize them? Yeah. Even when they're uncommon, are you going to recognize them? 
even when they're not chartered by women, are you going to recognize them? Mm-hmm. Even though, like, you know, in Ghana, where my parents are from, West Africa, there's not a wrestling team. Like, you know, however, there's, like, wrestling. Like, wrestling is a... Like, in, in most cultures, is a way for, like, a man, a boy to become a man. Like, there is roots of it everywhere, but there was not an Olympic team for it. So I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. My parents didn't see it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in my DNA as in a country, as in something that you saw. But are you willing to try it? And, you know, going to the Olympic Games, unreal. And, it was, and there was no female wrestling in the Olympics when I started. So it wasn't even a goal because it wasn't, a, it wasn't there. Um, and in walking out wrestling, um, as, you had, as you had mentioned, I have a black belt in judo. How did that journey start? It was, I was in the newspaper for wrestling. My judo sensei wanted more females or just more people to try judo. Knowing that wrestling is a combative sport, it's already halfway there. He was like, do you want to try it for the summer for free? I was like, yes. <laughs> like, you know, he just, it was an opportunity, but that means I was training in the summertime too. I still had a part-time job. I still had like, you know, so it wasn't the fact that you're just like, oh, okay, this is just, no. I still made sure I managed all those things. Mm-hmm. So I tried judo and I was like, okay, this is a way to, A, to help my wrestling, and B, is something different. Mm-hmm. And that, like, you remember, so I started in grade nine, the same time I started wrestling, same season. Um, I made the junior national team for wrestling, uh, judo, and the senior national team for wrestling the same year. And I had to choose between the two sports. Rest, judo was an Olympic sport, wrestling wasn't. However, I always trust my gut instincts. And wrestling was my gut instinct at that season. And so um, after I made the senior national team, I stopped judo because they complemented each other, but they didn't help each other either. Because mm-hmm. judo, if you ever know the sport, you get to go on your back for judo. Mm-hmm. You don't get to go on your back for wrestling. Mm-hmm. There were certain rules that were in conflict with each other. And I was like, if I was going to be the best at one, I had to let one go for a season. But I told my sensei at 17, I was like, I'll come back and get my black belt. And I just said it. I didn't, like, I didn't know where the journey of wrestling was going to lead me. Um, wrestling is a tough sport on your body, so is judo. I didn't even know if I was going to come out not crippled in the sport, because it's, that's just, it's a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but after going, you know, coming third in the world, coming second in the world, going to the Olympic Games, um, when I was transitioning out of wrestling, one of the words of wisdom I got from other Olympians was, you gotta find, you gotta have another sport. Like when I go on the wrestling mat, I don't get to have recreational wrestling. Everybody's like, I want to score a point on Olympian. Like, you know, like it's, it's like, and you go and serve my, I serve my sport, um, but it's a different, it's a different place. And so after in transitioning and retiring, which is one of the hardest things I had to ever do because you retire and I did the sport of wrestling for many years. Like I started at 14 and retired when I was 35. Um, my age is Googleable. <laughs> I'm Googleable, so <laughs> I get over myself on that. But I got wrestling. Canadian wrestlers are some of the oldest in the sport internationally. Mm-hmm. We got to, we got, we did a lot in the sport. Even Tanya Verbeek, Carol, like just legends in the sport. Um, being able to compete on the same time frame as them, um, we were older, retiring. And so spending like decades of my life in one place and 
every year having goals and achieving them, what do you, what do, you do with yourself? And that was one of the wisdoms, was key to wisdom, is find something else that you can have that creative fight, like building yourself. But it was humbling going back to a sport that I was proficient at and not proficient at and being in a sport that you have just left the top of. It was humbling, but it gave me my humble beginnings again. I reminded myself. Because when you get to the top level of a sport, every single day you go in, it's a different mindset. It's like it's inches. Like, you know, you're one of the best. How do you get better? You know what your body does well. You know, you can feel it. You can, like, you know, you've carved it out to be able to do it on demand what you needed to do and train it to keep finding things to do on demand. Now you're going back to something that your mind has a memory of it, your body doesn't. And being able to be humbled to remind yourself where you started. Yeah. And I remember when I went to, to get my black belt, I said to my sensei, I'm coming back from my black, but can I do it? And I remember I spent one year doing a leg sweep. That's like one of the toughest things in judo. I was like, in my mind, I was like, if, if, I, can, if I can't get myself to learn that, because everybody was like, oh, there's easier stuff that can trans, like be able to transfer over from wrestling. I was like, no, I, no, don't give me the easy stuff because Going for my black belt is not going to be easy. I have to go back and compete, and I have to get points, and I have to do. A, I have to learn the kata, and I have to become a judokian. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to be a wrestler that's a judokian because wrestling, you're bent over. Judo, you're upright. Your body tells you if you're one or the other. Mm-hmm. And so I remember just humbly, just every day, just going after one thing, back to the same thing. I was like one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. And um, five years later, I was like I was able to compete. I was a master's, but I went to compete at a senior level because I had to get points. I competed against um, young ladies that were like 10 years younger than me. But I just, I had, I said to myself, like, I know myself. I was like, there's things about myself. I know my tough days. I know how to, I said to myself, I'm like, I know how to go grind through a match and be able to keep going. And so it was, it was an interesting um, transition. And in it too, I had my own business where I was doing motivational speaking. Um, because empowering the next generation and being able to hope to share my story in the tough days and the best days and hoping somebody else not, you don't have to become a wrestler, you don't have to become a judokian, find your path. Find, because when you're the best you, you're a better human being for the world. Mm-hmm. If you're the best server when I go to a restaurant, I have joy. It's like, if you're the best doctor, like everybody on my team was their best because I needed the best to be my best. And so when you're able to help others to see the, just the playbook, because mm. the playbook is the same. The journey, the destination is different. And when you GPS, GPS will take you just different destinations. Mm-hmm. But you have a left, you have a right, you know, redirect. When there's, like, you know, sometimes the injury, redirect. But don't give up mm-hmm. until, like, you know, sometimes you, you can choose to stop something. Not because you're afraid to try mm-hmm. is because it wasn't for what you wanted. Mm-hmm. And when I went through my journey of wrestling, I was like, there's things that I didn't even know I wanted that I got because I was just willing to allow it to come to me. Yeah. And how do you know what you love? You have to realize what you're not to realize who you are. So some things I realized, mm, not me. Mm-hmm. But when I realized that's not me, I didn't realize what I wanted. But sometimes we stay neutral. Mm-hmm. Neutral will never get you to the best you because you're staying 
complacent. You're you're just the status quo. Be your best at whatever you have inside of you. Yeah. But in every human being, there's something that's that's great. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to chisel it out? You have an infectious personality. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you've heard that before. Um, one of the things that I've noticed as you're telling your story is that you've surrounded yourself with positive people. Um, you know, there's a you know. I could talk at length with some of the kids that I deal with that surround themselves with negative, negative individuals, and then they get in trouble or they go down the wrong path. Um, How important was it for you to find these people and to keep them in your life? It's so, if I have to say three things, and I'll get into that, um, which um, surrounded yourself, I think life givers, I call them. Mm -hmm. Like, because sometimes it's like, when you hear the word positive, they're like, oh, you know, because not, not everybody is going to be a light all the time. And somebody could be positive for somebody and not negative to you. Mm-hmm. But how do you know? Did he bring life to your life or did he bring death to your life? Like, you know, some things are just like, it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when I'm having my toughest day, and sometimes I have friends that are just, they remind me of me. Mm-hmm. Not even, you don't tell them, like, I know you can do it because sometimes I'm not even there. They're just like, I oh, know, you just don't give up. You just, this is just not you. Mm-hmm. It's like you get to, like, you know, when I have tough days, because I've lost some Olympic trials, mm-hmm. like big ones, like, you know, the first Olympic trials, and you know what? It's, it's your moments. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I get to have grieving moments. Like, I'm just like, okay, you get one month to sulk. Like, yeah, I get to, I get to sulk it out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but, and I tell my friends, I'm like, I'm sulking it out. They're like, okay. But after how long? Like, you know, yeah. they hold me accountable. Like, what did you say? Well, after that time is done, they're like, oh, Hanawa, second season is done. <laughs> like, you know, let's see the best in you. Mm-hmm. And then there was friends that, like, you know what, that brought the worst out of me. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, where it's like, you know, when I'm having a tough day, he's like, oh, Hanawa, it's like, like, you know, this is, you've done, a, you've done enough. You're good. And I was like, but, like, I, and I'm just like, mm, that's not, that's not what I've always said about myself, you know? And so, like, so when they bring the worst out of me, it's an indicator that, you know what, it's just like, I always, I always do word pictures in my life, it's just like milk. Mm-hmm. If you put it in the fridge past the expiry date, it will stink up your whole entire fridge. <laughs> so some friends, I expire. Like, you know, they have done their time, I thank them and I appreciate them for their friendship, but sometimes they have expired out of my life. Mm-hmm. Can you see when something has expired out of your life? Because if you don't, the same thing that was good for you last season, it may not be good for you the next season. And so I always do my friend checks. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, where you go through your friendships, am I serving them also? Because it's a two-way street. Am I the best for my friend? Do I see the best? Because it's like, it takes you to be a good friend to get good friends too. Mm-hmm. If you decide you're always going to be negative to yourself, whatever you do to you is not what you do to other people. So sometimes it's like, check yourself in a sense of, are you encouraging to yourself? Are you kind to yourself? Like your self-talk in your head, would you do that to a friend? Because you're your own best friend first. So if you won't do the self-talk that you do yourself to your friend, can you stop doing it to yourself? Because sometimes you surround yourself with negative people because that's where you are at. Like, you know, and if you're not good to you, then you're not going to be good to your friends. But there's always somebody that's willing to be kind to you even in your negative state. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones you hold on to first. And then you're like, okay, what about them that they see that I don't see myself? And then you start believing what they believe until you believe it yourself. Mm-hmm. But to have yourself, so the first thing is, are they, did they see the best in me? Because if they're seeing the worst in me, 
then, you know, I don't really want them around me. And I'm going to find the one or two people that see the best in me. And I'm going to be the same way they are to me to them. Because sometimes you may not even know how to do it. Just copy them. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, yeah. same thing with wrestling. Same things I didn't know how to do. I just, you know, just copied it enough. To, and then I was like, oh, now I can do it. How do you learn something? You just watch somebody doing it. You try it. You figure it out. And you find a way to do it. And then you customize it to how it fits you. So even your friendships, you find how, you know, how am I going to be good to somebody else? And I'm like, is that me? Because it starts connecting to the inner you, the inner goodness in you. And then you start customizing ways. These are the ways that I like to be good mm-hmm. to people. And so that's one of the things is having people around you that are life givers. And the ones that are, you know, death givers, I graduate them out slowly but surely. Identify them like, mm, you, don't get a, you don't get more time. You don't get my time. Mm-hmm. And especially when I'm having a tough day, you do not get to be around me. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. I'm like, no, no, if I'm having a good day, I may give you some, some cheer. Like, you know, and if you don't receive it, oh, I stop giving. Because I'm not giving my goodness to somebody that's not appreciating it. Mm-hmm. Because I'd rather give it to somebody that does. Because some people have tough days, but when you give them goodness, they receive it. Mm-hmm. And so those are the people that give my goodness. Um, the three things that I was saying that if you listen to this and you want to take just three things and just take the one that one out of them that is in your life right now because if you can take one thing and actualize it it's greater than having 10 things in your head that you don't do nothing with Mm -hmm. and it goes back to the one one step at a time and the three things that i would say that are life skills that are forever some of the keys to my success that i learned and i would live by till this day is number one Find something that you love doing. And how do you like, how do you know what you love doing? What do you like? <laughs> you know, just to start, beat, beat the basics. Mm-hmm. Something that you like. Because how do you know you like it? When you do it, it brings you joy, but it brings you, it brings you a challenge too. Because everybody says uh, the joy, yes, the joy part is part one. But it, 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 it addresses some of your fears too. Mm-hmm. Something that you're like, mm, I don't know if I can do that or not. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how you know because when you when you overcome it it builds a part of you that wasn't there before and so that's the the challenging part and then when you live the the joy it brings a greater joy in you that you didn't have either so how do you find that it could be volunteering it could like some of the things i did that have made me monetary was volunteer first Mm -hmm. (laughs) like and so when because when i competed for wrestling it made me revenue um, and before that, I was like, there's a volunteer job, Wahanoa. You volunteer your time to sharpen the skill. But so does everyone else that's here. My coaches, my training partner. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, you always give it. You always give to your gift before it gives back to you. Before you get your return on investment, you gotta invest first. And so find something you can invest in. And sometimes you could be doing, because I said I had a paper route. I, had a, like, you know, I, had, I always worked because I, like, I had to feed myself. And my parents took care of me, but all the extracurricular stuff I wanted to do, my dad was like, my parents were like, my mom, you gotta help yourself. Cause if you don't know how to work for things and invest in your own dream, you can't, I invested time and my revenue in myself. And then I had like, you know, my sister and my brothers that sponsored me at the beginning, <laughs> that invested in me, like, you know, they helped me because they saw my dedication. They saw they could invest in me because I was invested in myself. So that's the first thing. Find something that you love. Find something that you like to love, mm-hmm. that you can learn to love. Number two, financially, be, 
financially be healthy. Mm-hmm. So if you can't feed yourself, you're a liability. Your dream becomes a nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how can you feed yourself? Find a way to feed yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. I am responsible for my dream. My goal, people will help me only when I help myself. So I'm not entitled to nobody. When I, like, when I decided that I was going to pursue my wrestling on the world stage, I wanted to be one of the best in the world, I, had, I said to myself, if I can't feed myself the same amount that my degree can feed me, I'm not doing very well for myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I went and found my own sponsors, which were my partners, to partner in my dream. Mm-hmm. I, when I was competing, I competed, I trained, I competed, I did motivational speaking so I can afford my dream. It worked with my schedule. I was able to inspire others with my walk and what I was doing, but I found my own clients. I went, I found my own sponsors because I wanted to live my dream. People came and helped me after I helped myself, but I was like, the buck stops on me. If I'm not going to be the biggest investor in my dream, I will not, my dream is not going to become a goal, my goal is not going to become action, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be able to live this uncommon life. People, everybody has their own destiny. Some people's par- like, parents help, but it doesn't matter. That's their journey. My journey is what I'm given. It's like you're given, you're given ingredients in a recipe. Are you going to be able to make the best meal? Or are you going to sit there and say, I don't have enough? Because if you start making with what you have, you'll get more. Mm-hmm. But if you don't already know how to use what you have, you won't get more. Mm-hmm. And so with that said, um, I pursued my goals. I had like, you know, speaking business or corporates, schools. Um, I get to enjoy giving back to just helping others to be their best. In doing so, um, I got an opportunity to teach judo for stunt actors. Mm-hmm. Everything comes from one gift to another. After getting my black belt in judo, even prior to that, um, John Wick, the movie came out. Mm-hmm. It specialized in um, the main actor, went to different schools to become better with his stunts. And so the stunt industry wanted specialized people. I had judo and wrestling. I'm able to throw without a gi because I have wrestling, because I have grips. And I was happy to learn to create for another industry. Yes, I had the tools, but I had to watch films and say, you know what, how do they do it? And can I use my two skills to help others do what they do best? So I did that um, while I was retiring, while I was, you know what, working and doing my speaking. I got to still, and for me, I got to still use my skill set. So like for me, 80% of my revenue came from like in my speaking and 20%, I wanted to be able to still use the skills I had to keep them alive. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, I got to serve a different community. And when COVID hit, um, actually before that, I got an opportunity to do special skills in the film industry. My niece and nephews are all in the film industry. So I got to help them out as in serving, taking them on set, like, you know, when they did their commercials. So you serve others. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, I got to see the industry, understand how it works. Um, I got the opportunity to do stunts by my skill set in wrestling and judo and my willingness to try something different. Mm -hmm. And so in doing so, 
Um, I got opportunities to be on production and it is, it's a different world, a lot of learning curve, a lot of work. I got to learn different skill sets, boxes, weapons, um, but I get, to tr I get to try something different. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, I, my, my gift gets to make room for me, mm -hmm. meaning that the different skill sets I have learned, I still get to play with. And you get to serve on a team, again, where your individual skills, you go in there to do something, because that's why they hire you, mm -hmm. but you get to be a bigger part of a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And you get to serve a different industry where during COVID, I, um, one of the skill sets, like one of the things that helped people cope was television. Mm -hmm. And in COVID, it was still, I got to still work. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I, I got to still work. I was just privileged to be in an industry that COVID didn't shut down. And I got to walk into another, another world. And the only thing that kept me set, I know you said me, got me this opportunity was, are you willing to try something different? Are you willing to be humble to learn again? Because if you're not willing to learn being on different mountaintops, if you're not willing to go, not even the valley, but to go down to scale another mountain, then you're never going to be able to try something different mm -hmm. and come and do it. So there's a theme going on here. <laughs> Every time somebody says a challenge in front of you, you know, whatever it is, you're jumping on it. I'm just going to try it. Because yeah. like, you don't realize what, who you are until you realize what you're not. And sometimes you realize who you are through something that you didn't, like all these journeys, if somebody had told me when I was in elementary school, <laughs> this would be my life, I'd be like, are you kidding me? Are you joking? Like, you know, because it's so unreal to me. I still live at awe in my life. And if you cannot be grateful for the little things, you don't get to have the big things. And so when I go on set, like I'm production, I just, I just look at like, oh, wow. Like, and every single day is a different day. And it's like you get to play different characters mm -hmm. and you get to entertain and, and your storyline, how real you can make it serves for somebody watching to have, you know what, joy and entertainment in that one, one moment. Mm -hmm. That's how I look at it. Maybe, you know what, and you get to play real life stuff mm -hmm. and you get to honor people that live this really. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you, you talked about John Wick. I'm assuming yeah. that you got to deal with some high-profile individuals during that movie. Oh, I, I was not in it. Like, I oh, was no. not in it. I just watched. You like, you're in the same industry where stunt performers. Oh, okay. Because stunt performing, because most people don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. It is like, you know, the fight scenes or, like, you know, it's not it's like falls. And, yeah. like, all the, the parts of the job of acting and in the film industry where you gotta take the risk mm -hmm. and so that movie itself is what set stunt performers to seek out my services ah i see so when you walk on the set yeah. one of these television shows these movies and the actors um i guess find out your background how are you treated uh, it's, it's quite interesting like because like even like it's not even the actors or even like just production or cast members. Like they're just like, a lot of them were because they'll ask, how did you get into stunts? Like, you know, and the truth of how I got into stunts was my wrestling, my judo, but 
my willingness to work hard and try something different. Um, but being able to, because for me, it's similar to compete and you train and then you compete. Um, with stunts, you train and then you perform. Um, and you perform on set for what you needed to do because you're paid for a skill set for what you got to do for the day or whatever it is for the series. And so people find out, I guess my background, and they're just, they'll just, I've never met an Olympian. Like, that's usually the first one. Then we will find out you're an Olympian. And they'll ask, how was it? And I'm like, it was an honor to serve my country with my skills, my gift. And then it's like, and I'm just like, that's how, because they'll ask you, like, how did you get into stunts? Because everybody's journey is so different and so vast, but we come to serve the same gift. And so that's, that's what usually happens. They're like, oh, wow, you're so humble for, like, you're just so humble. And I'm like, because... For me, it's, it's a privilege mm -hmm. for everything I've been able to do because I look at, as I say, there's so many things that had to be in alignment mm -hmm. for me to live the life I'm living. Mm -hmm. And everybody's a part of that story. Like my parents decided to come to this country to have a better future for themselves and their children. Like, you know, and it's not like they were living good in Ghana. So they took, they took a big risk to come here. Um, the coaches that decided to do the sport that they loved. Because coaching is a thankless gift. Oh my <laughs> goodness. You train as much as your athlete. Mm -hmm. You go to every tournament with them. You don't get the medals. You don't get the Googleable name. Like, you don't get none of that. It's, but the heart of a coach is a different breed of human beings. But each of them in every level that I was at and every coach that ever gave me anything, gave me a gift of what they loved. Mm -hmm. um, the different countries that decided to do wrestling, like the different teammates, my, my training partners that even went to the worlds, to the, to the Olympics with me, they all sacrificed for my good. Um, and then it's like my sensei, my judo, like people that, my training partners that went and got my black belt with me, like thankless people that served me in order for me to get where I'm at. Like, you know, so I look at all that. Mm -hmm. And so that's what keeps me appreciative of the journey. But with that said, there's hard work. There's sacrifice. There's, like, days that, like, my friends don't see me. Like, you know, I remember certain things, like my siblings planned their weddings around my competition season because that's how I fed myself. Like, you know, but they... they like, you know, my sister's engagement I missed because I was at a tournament and still at her side. Like, you know, so there's people that sacrifice for my, my achievements also. And so I look at all that and that's what keeps me thankful mm -hmm. and have gratitude for the journey. But nobody deserves anything in life. I always, like, you, you get what you work for. And sometimes life sets you up setbacks happen. You may not grow up in the best situation, but what are you going to do with what you have? Because if you go down the path where you're a menace to society or you're, you're not, not even you're not bringing your best to society or yourself or your family, it hurts you still. Mm -hmm. For a season, there may be something in it that you gain but for the long term, there's something in it that you lose. Mm -hmm. And so 
at the end of the day, it's not easy. Nothing in life is easy that's worth having. Mm -hmm. But are you going to try it? Are you going to set your course doing something that the people around you, your community, like, that you just don't do every day? Mm -hmm. And when you try those things, you get the uncommon. Mm -hmm. And when you do, it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, I'm hearing you talk and, you know, a special... Especially, you know, when, when people face adversity, when people um, are challenged, you know, a lot of people just shut down and they don't want to go and put the effort in, you know. And it's not, sometimes not even effort because you give up on, like, you give up on the best you. Because I can tell you, like, um, the 2008 Olympics, the Olympics that I speak about going, I remember, like, so 2000, because in order to have Olympic cycle, um, people don't know our sport. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not the easiest thing. First of all, you have to be one of the best in Canada. So you have to be in top half of the world, one of the best in the world to even make the Olympic team. And then you go to the Olympics, and there's only a few. Like, I think, like, the draw could be, like, 16 or, like, you know, depending on the year and the different rules. There's only 16 people or, like, 32 people, like, in the world. One per country. You don't get multiples. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> one per country you get to represent. And so I remember the first Olympics for female wrestling was in Athens, 2004. Um, I lost to Christine Orderhagen, like, you know, world champion, many time world champion at the Olympic trials. Um, and just winning that nationals that year, it was tough. You have to wait another four years. You don't know in four years if you get injured, if you're going to be retired. You don't know. You just, you just hope every day that I keep coming in. Something that could be out of, people don't realize as a high performance athlete, I can get in a car accident, nothing to do with me, and I can never wrestle again. Mm -hmm. Because the, the, how well you gotta do, know your body. Something can happen and it could be the end of your career. Mm -hmm. So every single day I got to wrestle, every day I got to compete, for me, I always thought about that, it was a gift. Mm -hmm. And so four years later, like you know, won, like, you know, won the nationals, won the Olympic trials, won the Olympic qualifications, I'm like, yes, we're one step closer than what we were four years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it was in Beijing, China. You know, my family, like, should we get tickets? I'm like, I don't know yet. Like, you know, because you always have to just, you never know. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, a routine day training, I fell and I felt, you know, I felt pain in my knee. You don't mind after the Olympics, no problem. Mm -hmm. A year out, no problem. Mm -hmm. Not months before the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh my goodness. And so, you know, Coach Dave, same coach from like, you know, the beginning. <laughs> mm -hmm. He was just like, I was just like, something doesn't feel right. And you know, at that time, it's like, you know your body well enough. I was like, you know what, you could just take a day off. But then as you take time off and everything is in your mind, you're just thinking, oh my goodness, what does this mean? And don't, you can't go into a negative place because you just don't, can't. If you do, it doesn't help you. It's not, not going to help you. So once again, your team. So I was like my sports doctor. I was like, okay. Called him right away. I'm like, um, there's something wrong. Um, I need to see you. And he was like, okay. Um, so I got in right away. That's another thing. Your team around you. People got to be as good. They got to love what they do as much as you do. They can't be having bad days because when you're having bad days, you need everybody to be in their best. So we did ultrasound to start with. And then he was like, um, you have a torn ligament in your knee. And it was like, knees, Board of wrestling, lateral movements, people attack your legs. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and it's like, it could have been something from the past, it could, like, you know, but it's something that just needs to be addressed. And then I was like, okay, he's like, we have to do an MRI just to double check. And he's like, um, to see the severity of it, if you're going to be able to go to the Olympics or not, or even wrestle, mm -hmm. is the truth. <laughs> like, you know, with any injury, 
the gift would have been, okay, can I go to the Olympics? The bigger thing was, can I even wrestle again? Mm-hmm. All of this is going through your mind, and it's like, you know, call Coach Dave, I'm like, um, we need to figure this out. This is, yeah. this is not just um, something that surfaced. And so we did the MRI. I was like, yep, confirmed. And I was like, hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, so what does that mean? And it's like, you know, you have to get the information to make a wise decision. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the first thing is, what does it mean for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. Let's just be real. Um, I love my sport, but my body is made for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Is there something that's going to impede me from being able to walk? To I'm used to playing on the highest level. Mm-hmm. I'm like, playing is, is a need for my life. Mm-hmm. Being able to move. And so I was like, that's the first question I asked. And then he's like, no, no, we, like, you know, you're going to be okay for life. I'm like, check mark, first one. Mm-hmm. Second, <laughs> can I wrestle? <laughs> you, know, you just go down the, <laughs> the list. He's like, that, we don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we have to go in and see. And he's, like, and he's like, so your choices are, he's like, wrestling, you know, you're in a squatted position. You're mm-hmm. It's the bulk of your, st- your movement in wrestling. Um, and he was like, we have to have surgery to see. If you don't have surgery, you can't go to the Olympics. That's the first thing. Wow. I, was, I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. If you have surgery, it's a 50-50 chance. Because whenever you go in and cut and paste anything, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's not the original. <laughs> and your body is your body. You don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, number one, if I don't have surgery, the Olympics off the table. So we got to have surgery. And so 080808, August 8, Olympic tri- um, Olympics opening ceremonies. Mm-hmm. This is in May. Exactly. Yeah. So we go in. I get my knee scoped. Like, you know, but I've never got, like, you know, I couldn't walk. Mm-hmm. So you go from a few weeks, you were doing things that most people can't do, mm-hmm. to a moment where you're competing with a two-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> or months, correction, because two-year-old can walk. Mm-hmm. Right now, you're like... You're assisted to walk. It is like mind blowing. And I was like, okay, my job right now is to rehab. Mm-hmm. So I like, but the Olympics is still on the table, depending if I can do it or not. And the goal is, can you be one of the best for Canada? It's not about you either. It's not about your Olympic day because you don't want to go to the Olympics if you're not good enough to be a competitor. That's just not good for the country. Mm-hmm. And so you've earned a spot, but you have to still make that decision. And so I remember every single day, and I was like, if you start thinking negative, oh, your cells are going to feel that. Your thoughts are very, very powerful to your body. Mm-hmm. And so I remember just every day I was going in to the job. My job was rehab, and my mindset was positivity mm-hmm. and life-giving. And I didn't tell nobody because, ooh, and I remember, I did a documentary for CBC Sport during that time. Yep. And if you like, it's on my, it's like on YouTube. And I actually did chin-ups and where I was rehabbing and they didn't know. I was like, you know what, um, my coach, and I was like, I was like, my coach like um, said that I'm not, like, I'm not able to go in the room right now, um, but we can do it here. Um, and when I go back in the room, there's going to be no camera time. No, no, and which is the truth. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and so I literally did the interview. And I, like, when I, so I, when I do speaking engagements, I'll show that video. And I was like, I remember being there 
not knowing if I was going to make the Olympic team or not. Mm -hmm. Not knowing if I was going to go to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. I did champs because I could not <laughs> do nothing. I could not be on the match. I could not wrestle. Mm -hmm. They showed a clip of me wrestling because I was like, I knew CBC had me clips of me wrestling. So I designed what my perception out there. I said to them, this is what I cannot do. This is what I'm willing to do. Mm -hmm. So they told a story about, like, and I helped them design my story for my, for my Olympic journey. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that you got to be creative with. You cannot be sitting there just crying about your situation because there's other people that are in your story. It's not mm -hmm. just about you. As I remember everyday rehabbing and I had a knee brace and I got back in the wrestling room and I was just like, and I had to customize my training. My training partner came, once again, my training partner that was coming to the Olympics with me, he was number two in the country at that time um, in his weight class and he trained with me separate. So he have his own training and then he'll train with me. Um, because I couldn't be in a room because if somebody fell on my leg, I'm done. Yeah. And I just couldn't, like, and I just, I just had to be focused on the task at hand. Um, when I got the goal to be able to go, I was able to move, and I was just thankful to be able to wrestle again. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to the, like, the Olympics, like I'll take my knee brace off to walk regularly every day, I have my knee brace on when I competed, like you know, when I trained. I went to the Olympics, and that was the first time I took off my knee brace to wrestle because there's no way you go into <laughs> Olympic Games with knee brace. You're just telling all your opponents to attack your, your knee. And it's like, and of course, my <laughs> luck, I drew the world champion first match. Oh, oh yes, exactly. I was like, because you weigh in and then you just do the luck of the draw. And I was like, well, my knee's going to really get tested out. Yeah. <laughs> Ready or not, here we go. And I had a close match with her. And I lost that match. But losing that match, number one, I got to wrestle. Number two, I knew my knee was ready because mm. it got tested. Yep. Um, I continued wrestling. I like, you know, won a match, lost a match, and um, I came 10th overall. <laughs> and it was just like my heart was happy that I got to wrestle. I knew my abilities were greater than you know, 10th, but I got to go to the Olympics. I got to play again. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, like, you know, that same year, they had the World Championships, which is unheard of for you to go to the Olympics because you – compete you peak and to go to the world championships months later because that was like um you finish september by the end of september you're back because you're in china jet lagged mm. come back you could train again september october you're at the world championship at the beginning in japan mm -hmm. same time zone <laughs> mm. um but i just said i got to play again and i was like you know what i want to try again same mindset mm -hmm. i can just take the year and like you know keep rehabbing which i did but i was like no you know i got this opportunity i want to play again and so I went to the World Championships, I came third, and then I was like, okay, you know what? We're still on our journey to be one of the best in the world. Mm -hmm. And then two years later, 2010, I came second in the world. And so I was able to be one of the best in the world and be able to compete for my country. Mm -hmm. But it came, like as I said, like, nope, nobody knew. And I remember I did one interview, Toronto Star, like Randy Starkman, um, he had passed, but he was one of the people that was on my journey with me that I disclosed, because I did a story that came out um, after I was at the Olympics mm -hmm. because I was just like but you still got to share your story but I was like is the time and the place I don't want my Olympic story to be can she overcome the knee surgery no mm -hmm. I want my story to be can I be one of the best and so I said I'll share my story when I wanted to but in the midst of it it was like like everybody around me all my friends like nobody only in my inner circle knew because I didn't need pity I didn't need 
people being fearful for me. Can you make it? Can you go to the Olympics? You've worked so hard. I'm thinking the same thing. <laughs> I don't need your help. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> like, you know, and I was like, and there was like a few other um, friends that I met in like rehab, like rehab where we were like, you know, rehabbing that were on the Olympic journey too, that were going through injuries and we're forever t like just bonded because we all ended up being at the Olympics despite, you know what, because injury is a part of the journey when you're a high performer. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you push yourself, sometimes you may push yourself over. Mm -hmm. And it just tells you, for me, it's not to tell you, it tells you your weak links mm -hmm. that you get to strengthen. And when you strengthen it, like my knee is forever better now. And it was one of the areas that were my opportunities. It just, I just hoped it came after the Olympics. Like, you know, you have ideal times, you prefer injuries, <laughs> but it teaches you your grit. Mm -hmm. It teaches you your willingness to see a part of yourself that you never see until you go through those moments. And so that's why I say challenges. Like, and as I said, when you find what you like to love, mm -hmm. it comes with, you know what, fears. Mm -hmm. And the fears are just indicators or areas you haven't never gone to. For me, if you, and you get a choice. Do you get to live in your fear or do you let the fear be your indicator? Just like a dashboard. Mm -hmm. If it says lack of fuel, and you crack the indicator on the dashboard, it doesn't fix the problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when the indicator of fear comes, it just says this is a new territory you haven't been to. And mm -hmm. when you let the indicator serve you, then you're like, what do I need to do to go through this? Mm -hmm. So the in area of indication that I've never been to so close to an injury that may end my career, what are the things I need to do? I was like, first of all, how much do you love wrestling? Mm -hmm. Because that, my love for wrestling forever changed. Mm -hmm. Because until you realize something can be taken away from you, you don't realize the magnitude is value to you. Mm -hmm. And every single day, like as I said, with the car accident, I even took it like, you may not be able to wrestle again. Leave everything on the mat. Mm -hmm. And then in doing so, after healing my knee, I was able to still compete in judo and get my black belt. Mm -hmm. That was if I, I don't know if I didn't go through strengthening that part if I'm able to do that and work in stunts this season. Mm -hmm. So certain things that you think are for your harm sometimes are for your own goodness. Yeah. Because it may have been a weak link, but it got tested. And when it got tested, it showed itself, mm -hmm. which like I still do like hip alignment. I still, it's not even, it's called prehab for me. Yeah. I, I, it's not even an injury, it's an opportunity to know these are my areas that I keep strengthening all the time because yeah. it allows me to keep playing for life. Yeah. You know what, I, I love talking to people like yourself um, because, you know, you learn a lot about the, the athlete's mindset. Um, you know, my father was in the, almost the same predicament as you, you know, uh, being at Oklahoma State when he had a scholarship, um, he blows his knee, um, but he doesn't stop. I don't know his mindset because he never discussed it with me, right? Um, and then the, his grades, his grades, same predicament that you're in. He's kind of failing. He's, he, he, again, you know, he's got a love for the sport like you did, the exact same thing, and he's able to kind of triumph over these things. So talking to people like yourself gets me to better understand, one, my dad's journey <laughs> or other people's journey as yeah. we get through it. I think something like this is going to be helpful to other athletes, yeah. you know, when they're going through these sort of things, when they're ready to quit. Uh, I yes, think with wrestling, always an opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Quitting the opportunities to quit will be there. It's about again what you choose to 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 take, what path you decide to take. Um, you know, I can remember. Well, I think you know wrestling 
you know, teaches us not to quit because you're in a daily grind. You're in there. You're battling it out. There's so many times when you're in the wrestling room oh. when you can say, screw this. I'm, yeah, that hurts. I'm getting beat hurts. up. And then, yeah. And then it transfers over to your life. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I don't know if you know this about me, but uh, a year ago I was in a car accident. Mm. And um, it was, um, you know, on the job. And I was uh, struck by a car. And uh, I walked out of it. But two days later I woke up and I was diagnosed with a concussion. That concussion did not leave me for a year. And I was going through, um, you know, things like, uh, um, you know, irritability, uh, sensitivity to, to light, um, you know, things that I would never have expected when it come to an injury like this. I mean, I had been concussed prior, you know, playing football in high school and, you know, and wrestling in high school and, and different things. But it changed yeah. you as a person. Yeah. And do you get to stay with that? Um, not even that part, that you, mm-hmm. or do you, do you remind yourself? Because the irritability, like all of a sudden, if because I your character is not you're hard to irritate. Like, yeah. and to have a something that has happened to your brain to cause you to be in that position that is out of your norm. Yeah, and it's like, are you going to come back stronger to appreciate? You know what? my easygoing nature because there's certain things about your character knowing you for years where mm. at the end of the day most people would not know your field of work when they meet you on the outside yeah like and it's not a stereotype it's just your demeanor is so easygoing and mm. so cheerful all the time <laughs> like you know so to be irritable on a dime knowing what that means mm. and and as we say this it's like for myself i always look at the blueprint in this the sport or the thing that you decide to use as your destination is only the guide to show you your journey Mm -hmm. and so for others it could be music it could be dance it could be you're just science math it could be like i see like people in different fields that like to love what they do it's beautiful to see Mm -hmm. like you know because i say everybody like my sports doctor nutritionist um strength trainer um massage osteofascial stretching anybody that is associated with me mm-hmm. to help me do what i do best there's a common denominator if you don't love what you do you're not in my team mm-hmm. but to see like you know sometimes i even go to a grocery store and see stuff like a cashier just do what they do best mm-hmm. like you know a waiter dude like it is for me, it's a joy. So it's, there's a common denominator in that. And the thing is, they go the extra distance. They go above and beyond what they do. Like, they actually know more than they need to know. Mm-hmm. Because they actually spend time, they just don't do the minimum. And it's, it's a, and I believe everyone has it in them. Mm-hmm. It's just going there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes quitting is the threshold that gets you to that point. Mm -hmm. Because it's that line, when you cross it, as in, I knew I wanted to, I felt I had every logical reason to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because the logic is never, every logical reason to quit. Mm -hmm. But I was like, let me just try one more time. Yeah. That part of you that you gain out of that is that part of you that you give back to humanity. Mm -hmm. Because when you love what you do, it oozes through you. And mm-hmm. I said, your journey does not have to be wrestling. It doesn't have to be judo. It doesn't have to be stunts. Mm-hmm. But the common denominator is, 
are you willing to go there with yourself? Because it's a gift to you that you give to yourself that the world gets. Mm -hmm. You always taste it first. Mm -hmm. And then when you taste it, it's like when you cook in the house and you taste it, but the aroma fills the room. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to taste the same thing that you're tasting. Mm -hmm. But you tasted it first and you help create that. Mm -hmm. What is your aroma? When somebody comes in your presence, what do you give them? You always give somebody a gift. Give them life or you give them death. Give them negativity. You give them, I'm grouchy. You, give, you meet some people in the, on the street. You never know them, but you feel them. Mm -hmm. I always say, you know what? I hope when somebody f passes me, they just feel goodness mm -hmm. for the goodness in them to ignite. Not about me, because mm -hmm. I get to enjoy it. And even when you have tough days, everyone goes through them. But it's what the tough days do to you. You know what? I absolutely adore your attitude. <laughs> you are an infectious personality. I loved having you on the show. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted you here. Because I want people to see this interview. I want them to see you outside of the wrestling ring. Because you are one fierce competitor. You can destroy just about any... Yeah. Mass destruction. That's exactly it. <laughs> um, so... You know, I want people to see it. I want to see that, you know, who you are, yes. who you become, and how infectious you can be because it's such an important lesson in life for people that are stuck in a rut. Yes. You know, we talked yes. about getting out of that rut. Yes. Giving yes. The, you're giving a blueprint to these individuals. Yes. So I want to thank you first for coming on the show and uh, telling your story, but also sharing your insight into the mindset. Yes. And then the thing about it is, if um, I always say, if, anybody, if I can help anyone, like Warrior Ohenawa, Mm -hmm. on Instagram um, yeah it's the easiest way if you're not willing to work hard don't mm -hmm. bother message because yep. I'm going to hold you accountable yeah but um, and I always like I put on inspirational stuff mm -hmm. um, and like you know in the industry when I'm able to put things out I just live it mm -hmm. so sometimes you don't have to even message if you want to just see it um, just lived and I always hold myself accountable to others mm -hmm. if I say it and I don't do it call me out because mm -hmm. you just remind me of the best me mm -hmm. it's not you're not putting me down because if I said it on my best day on my worst day sometimes I forget it mm -hmm. and we all have been in ruts everybody has been in it mm -hmm. but what do you allow the what do you allow it to do shape you to be the best you or shape you to be the worst you mm -hmm. we get that choice every day wow well, we'll end it on that note because you know what? That's an important lesson. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no worries. That's awesome.